welcome to another episode of Fresh from the Hill, the inside stories of noteworthy Cornelians. My name is Lou Diamond, CEO of Thrive, host of Thrive Loud, class of 92, proud supporter of the Big Red, and your host of today's episode. Today on Fresh from the Hill, we are featuring Kyle Scott. Kyle Scott is from the class of 2011. He is a producer and editor and content strategist with NBC News Digital. He launched the lifestyle video vertical, Better, which he grew to over 1 million on-net starts per month within the first year. Dude, I need you in my marketing department. (laughs) Uh, Prior to joining NBC News Digital uh, in 2016, he spent five years working in broadcast journalism with Today, NBC Weekend Nightly News, NBC News Specials, and NBC's News Education Nation. He obviously is familiar with the Rockefeller Plaza Center. Uh, He is currently pursuing an MBA at NYU Stern and holds a BS from the Dyson program, Magnum Cum Laude from Cornell. Kyle Scott, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. This is exciting stuff. I, I want to talk about this. Your ability to launch a very unique program. Let's talk about this uh, for how this all came to, to be because being a producer and editor in content is one thing. Getting a successful content to hit the market and be well-received is another. Right. Let's talk about that. So how did this idea come uh, for better, which is right. what you're working on now. So a couple of years ago, NBC News launched three different verticals, Better, Mock, and Think, as a way to expand our content offerings beyond just hard news and politics. Right. So Better is a wellness vertical. Uh, and the good news is we have the full force of NBC News behind it. So the sales team, the marketing team, um, the producer, me, uh, all behind trying to launch this thing and get a new market. Out of it, uh, and one of the things that makes better unique is that people right now are looking for inspirational content. So much of the news can tend to turn negative, especially in this divisive world in which we live. People are really getting sort of getting overloaded by it, so they're looking for somewhere to go in order to feel good about themselves. Uh, so we've taken that approach, uh, and it literally is every single way to make your life better: personal finance, health and fitness, diet and exercise, career success stories. So you know when you come to our content, you're going to get something that will make you feel good at the end of the day, and you'll learn from it too. I love this. Uh, NBC is the king of nailing the one word. This goes all the way back when they created the Today Show and the Tonight Show, and here we got better, just better, just better, just every <laughs> single way to make your life better. So let's talk about this acquisition because this is impressive. You, one million on net right. starts per month within the first year. Right. Wow. Right. Well, we have a really big audience, NBC mm-hmm. News. It's the, the number one news source in, in the country mm-hmm. uh, between NBC News, MSNBC, and all of our distribution platforms and properties. So uh, it was really a way to take our existing audience and expand into something new. So let's go back here from Cornell you obviously had a marketing economics background from right. your major. And how did that channel into media? Yeah. So I had an opportunity my senior year to be elected uh, to run our college radio station, WVBR. Yeah. And this is a unique college radio station for students in that we are entirely funded by our commercial operations. There is no student activity fee that goes into running the station. So when I became president and general manager, not only was I responsible for the content, but also I was responsible for the business side. Uh, we had a sales staff at the time of three salespeople, hmm. a morning DJ uh, who was paid, and then the rest of the shifts mostly were students. So I was able to get some media management experience in addition to getting the content experience. Uh, and I fell in love with it my senior year. I decided that I wanted to pursue media. So I applied to the page program at NBC Universal. It's the number one entry-level program in media. And I was accepted by being able to tell a very unique story, which is not only do I like the content, 
but I also like the business side. And there weren't a lot of competitors in the page program who were interested in both of them. Let, let's hit this because this is one topic that is being explored in not just the visual medium. I, as a podcaster, I've seen it in the audio space. And this has to do with providing great content and figuring out the right revenue source for the business to work behind it. And as someone who's developing the strategy between the two, let's give your give me your two cents on where you see this space going because a bunch of key players have kind of set the groundwork for things that work, but we are still so unsure of what's next. Right. I, I want to hear your take. It's all about knowing your audience and then crafting the right stories that match that audience. So if you don't know your audience, you won't be able to target anything. So figure out what your audience wants and then give them what they want. And all of that comes through experimentation. When we first launched Better, we didn't come right out of the gate knowing exactly what NBC News viewers would want. Mm -hmm. uh, we tried a couple of things. We've tried a number of different series. And over the past three years, two and a half now since we've launched it, uh, we've figured out what people are most interested in. And it all comes back to story. It's what are those stories that people come back to time and time again that makes them feel inspired and makes them feel like they can take something from our videos that will help them live a better life. Share with the listeners challenges that you have seen and faced in trying to bring this content to life, this great content that people want to see or hear, and how you've had to overcome those challenges in your working environment. One of the biggest things is getting the right type of data. I'm obsessed with data. And if you don't have the infrastructure in place to get the video data, it makes it a little bit harder uh, to produce for your audience. Uh, we started out not having the best data. And NBC, I think NBC News, has come a long, NBC News Digital has come a long way in having the data about patterns of audience consumption. But mm -hmm. starting out, all we really had was video starts. And a video start is really just who pressed play on the video. Right. Uh, you don't get to see how people consumed through the entire course of the video. Um, so really what we were measuring was headline caption, thumbnail. Uh, now we've done a lot better job of being able to understand what exactly makes people tick and what brings them to the end of the video. So from the revenue brain in me going on here as it relates to advertising and knowing your audience and NBC having a very well funneled message of how they deal with advertisers, how has that flown, flowed through, if you would, uh, into your content? Right, so there's a very strict line between editorial and the revenue side. We have absolute editorial control over everything, and it needs to be that way. We're journalists mm -hmm. at the end of the day. Uh, so our advertising sales size does their, does their advertising, and then we, I as a journalist, understand my audience, and I produce the content that our audience wants to consume, um, and we do journal the real journalism behind it. So on the ad side, the advertising people do the ad selling. Um, I don't touch the advertising. <laughs> <laughs> I like how that was put in. So let's talk about your own content and what you like to listen to. Let's jump out of your own world of NBC and let's let we, look. What do you like to take in that something is the way that you view things or listen to things? Because this is something that I personally have been looking at and seeing how people, whether it's my own podcast program, whether it's how they watch the programs they watch. I could not tell you right now when a real show airs anymore right. because it's all based on right. when it's released on demand. Right. What's your preference on what you like to watch and what you intake? So I really believe in the power of the niche. 
right now. I believe that audiences are becoming more and more fragmented. And because of that, there's a limited opportunity for content producers to create content for very small niche audiences, but make money doing it because people are willing to pay for the in what really interests them. So I've seen on YouTube, for example, there's a really great channel called Real Engineering. It breaks down, you look it's like good. you're familiar I've, with I've this. It. Yeah, uh, they have like a lot of subscribers and they do engineering, they do engineering videos. That is a very niche market. They're smart engineering videos. They actually go into the science and the math behind concepts like fluid dynamics or like how airplanes fly, right? It's not just here's an airplane, it's here's actually how lift is generated on this airplane wing. And that's a very, like I said, very niche audience, but they've done a very good job building an audience around that. Another one that I recommend is Wendover Productions, which does, uh, they have about two million, two million subscribers on YouTube, which is a big number. Yeah, a big number. And they focus on transportation and logistics. Uh, so they do really smart videos about how airplane, how airplane companies work, how uh, airports make money, how FedEx and UPS have come to dominate uh, shipping, uh, logistics. But again, there's a really passionate audience about this stuff. You don't need to be the large broadcaster anymore because you can reach your specific audience. So when I look at what I consume, I consume a lot of content that relates to my interests. Mm -hmm. um, I recently got my um, FAA drone license because I now get to fly drones for NBC. So I've become interested in aviation, and I watch a couple of aviation YouTube channels. There's one, um, it's called uh, Captain Joe, and it's a million subscribers on YouTube. Uh, yeah, so I just, I have this ability to watch just what I'm interested in. So like, I'm interested in aviation, I'm interested in sort of real estate and architecture, which is a little bit of like a side hobby, uh, and I can find it, it all exists. You're getting your MBA right now. Yes. What would you like to do with that new three letters at the end of your name and the ability <laughs> to help grow your, your career. Yeah, what so it's, next? it's intersection between content and the business. Okay. It's how can we take content that an audience really likes and produce it really well, but then also make money with it. And there's two ways that I look at it. One, it's how do people pay for the content, but also how does the content end up converting sales? So you can think of it a little bit like content marketing. So for example, if you're Pepsi, which we have a Pepsi bottle on the other side of the room, uh, they may want, they may want, um, you know, Pepsi's whole thing is about like the excitement of um, of drinking their drink. If you watch any of their their advertisements, so it's like, how can we use content to get more people to buy more Pepsi? And it's not just advertising, right? I'm not saying let's create commercials right. and put them uh, on the Super Bowl. It's how do we get people to live into this lifestyle brand that is Pepsi, become uh, loyal to it, and then get them to buy more Pepsi, for example. I have this big uh, belief. You and I would have a fun conversation. It would be a whole other podcast on content and the channels and that basically in every single business we're in that's really all it is if you're a brand marketer you're creating let's say it was a cereal company you've got the cereals and now your channel distribution is either the supermarket aisle or in this case in today's era could be amazon prime on what you're ordering and delivering understanding what those two worlds and if you pick your niche and your expertise in each one of those this is my where this question is building up to we have a lot of organizations and companies out there that do both. You work for one of them that actually create content and have the channel for it. I'll use Disney as the ultimate content creator and an unbelievable channel with whether they're movies or television shows, whatever. Um, as you start to think of the big picture of great content and great strategy, uh, who wins? Who's gonna help? Is it going to be those that are always focused on great content 
those that are specialists in the channel or those that do both? That's a tough question. I mentioned earlier about the power of the niche, and I really do believe that we're going to, we're moving towards an older time in which content is no longer, in the long run, I'm not necessarily talking about entertainment content, um, is going to eventually be dominated by a lot of smaller players because every company can be its own content machine now. Uh, and every, com every company can target a very niche audience. So if you're a person, you don't need to necessarily go to the largest players in the world to find the content that you want. You could have a startup person who's able to create a series that you love and just go right to that person. We're not there yet. Mm -hmm. But I do see us moving into a place sort of in, in business and the content world like pre-1950s large corporations. I really believe that people are going to ultimately end up being more willing to buy products and services from other people and smaller organizations that are more niche and more relevant to their personal individual life. I hope that's the case. I'm with you on that. I think I'd like to see it be as niche in that um, or if maybe the larger places have to get more smaller in some ways. Right. Yeah. And we're also seeing now, I mean, look at recently sort of the, the DOJ, the Department of Justice now looking into antitrust against the largest tech players. Yeah. Slowly, we're making a, a prediction here, but I think slowly our culture is going to move to a place where we're almost moving away from these large players that control everything. There's a little bit of a privacy issue, a little bit of a matter of trust. And then there's also this sense of you get too big where you can't have the smaller players compete. And I wonder whether our culture is going to support that at some point. Let's talk about Kyle Scott himself. Um, You've been out of school now for a while now. What do you miss most about being up on the hill? I miss learning. I miss learning every single day. And I get to do that now, but it's not that same sense of experimentation that you get when you're at Cornell. When you, Kyle Scott, are having an off day, which judging by your energy and everything he does, it doesn't seem like he ever does. What practice do you seek or what individual do you seek out to help get yourself back on the thriving track I take a walk I take a walk and I'm very fortunate where I work at 30 Rock and then we have a beautiful channel gardens <laughs> right outside it's the channel gardens that lead right into uh, the ice rink which is now the summer bar uh, and I go take a walk and it really helps me solve problems as I'm sitting at my desk trying to work through something I just find I get up I take a walk around the building more often than not, I will solve that problem while I'm taking a walk, and then I could sit down with a fresh energy. Going back to your learning environment up at Cornell, was there one particular class that still resonates with you today? Ethics of Assistive Reproductive Technology, or Assisted Reproductive Technology. This was my freshman writing seminar. Uh, and I always talked about this. I was a tour guide also. I always talked about this class on my tours because it was so far outside my comfort zone. I had never taken a formal philosophy class, and this was as formal philosophy as formal philosophy gets, like hardcore philosophy arguments. I learned to be a better thinker, and I learned to be a better writer. And it, it's completely out there, but I'm very grateful that I had that opportunity to explore something different through academics. I'm just thinking, you're not the first person to have mentioned the freshman writing seminar as an answer. That I think we've had a couple of those. I know Keo Orion had that as one. Uh, as a guest on the show, and I know that there were others. So it's, it's a good thing because 
Um, at the time of this recording, um, my son just finished his first year. He's now going to sophomore year, and he's still talking about those classes. So they're obviously doing a good job in that program. I think Cornell does do a good job in that program. It's your intro to Cornell. It's your mm -hmm. first time in a, a college environment, and you all of a sudden have this big breath of everything that Cornell has to offer, and they put it into this these very focused programs they're very focused like assisted reproductive technology is pretty much as niche uh, talking about the niche like as small as you can get but you can build a whole course around it and it's this academic interest that you can scratch and you could do it when you're a freshman and yeah. it could possibly help determine your academic career for your next four years give all the uh the plugs for yourself for um the programs that you have we'll put all these links in the show notes Kyle, if you could uh, share all the places people can find you in the lovely world of social media or anywhere that you want to direct them. Uh, Instagram, Kyle Scott Original. It's at Kyle Scott Original uh, because all the other Kyle Scotts were taken because they're a very common name. Uh, but then also um, check out my work on my website, kylescott.com. Okay. I'm going to go do that right now. <laughs> so, so here's the fun one. Uh, I haven't done this one in a while, and, I, and I've realized that as I ask this question, I've had to change my answer. Uh, or I have to change the way that I've been wording this question. I was recently up at Cornell, uh, and now I started to see certain things that are on the campus, and students have certain choices. Okay, I used to ask the question, hot truck or Louis? Now, the problem is, is that hot truck isn't even there anymore. It's over in shortstop, and Louis is still there. So I guess what was your go-to late night I am starving and hungry need to eat something at school and when you think about it when you're up there for a union that's on your brain I go I'm going to have that before I leave Ithaca on campus is bare necessities okay uh, freshman year we'd go back and I think it was I want to say it was like the buffalo chicken sandwich uh, and they made a very good buffalo chicken sandwich at Bear Necessities. Uh, but otherwise, if it's not on campus, it would be CTB. I mean, everyone loves the best sandwiches. And What's, I, do you have a particular sandwich that you like? Yeah, it is the Bronx Bagel, oh, um, which is a bagel with egg and sausage. And I, and I do go back uh, at least twice a year. I'm on the Cal's, uh, Cal's alumni board. Gotcha. So every time I go back, I do make sure that I stop off at CTB and get that bagel sandwich. Kyle Scott, thanks so much for coming on Fresh from the Hill. Thanks for having me. This was fun. You got it. And to all our listeners out there, thank you for joining us. And go Big Red. Music from Fresh from the Hill was written, produced, and recorded by Kia Albertson Rogers. You can contact him at koa3 at cornell.edu.